everyone, and welcome to Unboxing Story. My name is Jonathan Matos. And this is Melissa Matos. And uh, this time we're going to talk about uh, role-playing games. Um, we want to actually start a series of uh, role-playing game-centric uh, episodes because um, on this podcast we aren't just talking about movies or uh, novels or um, any specific medium. We want to talk about all the different types of storytelling that occur across media. And so, um, because uh, Melissa is very into role-playing games, and um, because I play video games, we wanted to talk about what parts of those things are storytelling, how does it work, and how do people get satisfied by playing those different um, games? What, what is the draw? Uh, and uh, I wanted to start up by explaining uh, a time um, when I was very much into comic books and I was going to comic book store every week um, or, you know, once once a month at least. And uh, one time I walked in and I saw this guy, must have been like in his mid-30s, and he was talking to the uh, guy that owned the store. And there was this huge book on the counter and uh it it, i don't know (laughs) what it was i I was just kind of like looking for something to buy and just kind of listening uh you know that that, to the conversation as it was going on and they were they were saying like they were talking about levels and the one guy was saying oh you don't even want to go to that level and i'm like what on earth are these people even talking about and uh Growing up, you know, you usually people gravitate to one thing to be nerdy about or um, whether they're interested in music or comics or video games or something. They they normally have one kind of thing that they gravitate towards. But as you grow older, you realize that different things involve uh, storytelling and that that's one of the the human draws to... um, every kind of medium that, that people use to express themselves. Um, I, I know, personally, I, I was never a fan of wrestling until I saw this video that uh, screenwriter Max Landis did about how, how much he was a fan of wrestling, um, and he used um, Triple H, uh, the sto- his story of his career, to show how across, you know, the decades that he was in wrestling how his character grew and changed over time. And that's really all that storytelling is, is the character changing over time. Um, And, you know, uh, you can look at different mediums and think, you know, that that form is, you know, um, I'm never going to like anything from that type of game or that type of show or, or anything. And then you have that one thing that you can relate to and you think, oh, this is awesome. Like, I didn't realize that this could be, you know, something I could identify with, a character that I could identify with. So I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what Melissa can do to explain to me more about D&D and more about role-playing games so that I'm not... <laughs> that that kid that was just like, ew, those... They're <laughs> <laughs> These are nerds that I'll never... That I like, will never be one associate of. with. <clears throat> well, I... Um, had always wanted to play role-playing games, mm. but I didn't know anyone growing up who did them. 
Okay. So I didn't really find anyone until a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I had a few friends that had run games when they were younger, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll try some. But nobody really had volunteered to run it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I can tell a story. I should be able to run a game, right? <laughs> Thankfully, the game system that we picked was a fairly easy one. Mm-hmm. And really, it wasn't so much... Um, a difficult thing because of the people who we had playing. It was an easy game to do. Um, but unfortunately, one of the people who had been playing with us, who was a very integral character, passed away in an accident. So right. we didn't really feel up to playing it anymore because <laughs> right. we felt really bad that our, right. he was playing the captain of the ship. And we didn't really want to play without the captain. Right. So I had a hiatus for a little while. And then I started going to my friendly local game store, uh-huh. which is the general term for your local store that sells games. Right. Um, hopefully it's friendly. And uh, found a group there, and they were welcoming and very cool people. <clears throat> so I started playing with them and have played with them for a couple of years now. Ooh. And we have been playing all kinds of different stuff. So um, I apologize if I... If I throw out massive lists of games while we are talking, uh-huh. but there are a wide, massively wide variety of role-playing games that mm-hmm. you can get, um, and I'm going to talk about a lot of different ones. Mm-hmm. And because uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that interests me because we've in our talking about because that's the one thing that I that I do uh, in this new era where people are live streaming role-playing. I've gotten interested in them because there are certain personalities, like, for example, I read Penny Arcade, the comic strip, and the writer of that strip hosts a, a, a D&D session. Um, so that's how I got into, like, watching them, seeing that they exist, and becoming familiar with some of the terminology. But it, what's interesting to me is the term, like, gaming system. Right. And how there are different... That, that that's a that nomenclature is still not it's still not pierced my like so um, cerebellum. So first, I want to point out a lot of people who don't already know a lot about role playing games. The first one they think of is Dungeons and Dragons, and most people I have met assume that all role playing games are some sort of fantasy setting, mm-hmm. and that that's the only kind there is, and everybody's you know trying to pretend that they're in Lord of the Rings. Right. Just like people think every comic book is a superhero comic right. book. Right. Right. Because that's just what they associate it with. Right. But um, you can play any story type you can think of at this point has, I'm sure, a game system for it. Right. Um, and if it isn't, there is somebody online who has hacked a system for it. So it you can find whatever mm-hmm. kind of story you like. A good resource is a website known as RPGGeek.com. Um, I think it's associated with BoardGameGeek.com. So if you have trouble finding the RPG one, you can go to the board game one and it has a link to that. Mm. But it basically lists every system that's ever been published. And you can um, find out about the system, see what it's like. There's a bunch of people post reviews or they'll post uh, game um, sessions, session reports, they generally call them. So you can see an example of what this game is like. And then also, as John mentioned, there are a lot of people live streaming different things now. Not just Dungeons & Dragons, although that's the most popular one. Uh, Geek & Sundry has a pretty wide variety of role-playing games that they Twitch stream. Mm -hmm. So you can see Star Trek Adventures. I know they have one. 
Uh, for that, they have, I forget what the other one is. There's a couple different systems that they do. Mm. So if you want to see an example of people playing, now, now don't get your expectations too high because these are actually actors playing them. So your game might vary <laughs> widely <laughs> from that. Right. But at least you can see how it works mm -hmm. if you check one of these out online. But uh, moving on to game systems, mm -hmm. which is separate from the setting, uh, the actual mechanics of how you assign numbers to your character, how you make certain decisions, because there are some things that you as a player can say, oh, I'm just going to go do a thing. Mm -hmm. But many of the games have uh, statistics that they assign to your character. Right. So, for example, Dungeons & Dragons, you have six base statistics. You have dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, charisma... Uh, let's see if I can remember them all. <laughs> Strength. Um, and there's one more that I probably don't. Intuition? In, no, it's not intuition. It's intelligence, dexterity, charisma, strength, wisdom. To go get my like perception? I think perception is, yeah, because you can perception do a perception. Perception is, is, a, is a skill, though. It's considered... Uh, so you have your base statistics, your your basic... Usually this is how they're built. Okay. D&D is a good example because okay, a lot so of them like, follow this example. I would associate that, right. I guess, with, like, a Pokemon card where you have this amount of, like... You have your character, and they have these... Constitution. That's the other one. <laughs> okay, I've never heard that one. So you have those, but they... When those you're are those doing, basic six... This is like, you know, if you're if you're breaking your your character down as a person, right? These are your inherent characteristics. This okay. is how intelligent you are. This right. is how wise you are. This is how strong you are. Your constitution is how much you can withstand. Right. Uh, dexterity is how nimble you are. That kind of thing. Right. Then you get skills mm -hmm. that are based on those statistics. Right. So. Um, depending on what kind of job you've had in your life or where you were raised or whatever, your skill set will be different mm -hmm. than a different character than other characters. And so they will give you bonuses to those numbers. Right. So if you're a rogue character, for example, who has usually been raised as a thief or something similar, you have a fairly high perception because you were trained to do that. Mm -hmm. And so you get a bonus number. Usually they call it a... Uh, proficiency bonus right. to your base statistic of intelligence. So now you're not just, yes, you're smart, but you're smart in this specific thing. Right. So during the game, they will want your rogue character to, you know, maybe you're being the lookout for the group. And so the, the person running the game will ask you make a perception check because they want to see if you are able to notice someone that might be sneaking up on you. Right. That kind of thing is an example. Mm. Um, Dungeons & Dragons is, especially in its most current edition, which is insanely popular, um, a middle-of-the-road, I think, level system. It's mm. not ridiculously based on numbers, but it's not, um, like some other systems that I will mention, have gotten away from uh, being so numbers-heavy as far as you're describing your character. Uh -huh. Usually we call those um, crunchy systems. The more numbers heavy and the more statistics based they are, they tend to call them crunchy right. versus story based systems. So right. you have a big range and D&D is kind of in the middle 
Um, also, another system known as Savage Worlds is fairly mid-level system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get really crunchy and you're into, say, having lots of really fancy equipment oh. and having everything you own or everything you do in the game based heavily on the numbers and the dice rolling, um, Shadowrun is... A really fun system. Mm-hmm. It is sort of fantasy. It's like post-apocalyptic fantasy. So you have elves and dwarves and whatnot, but you have like machine guns and armored vehicles, and you're mm-hmm. running around a really messed up version of the United States. Uh-huh. Um, and then there is a system known as Traveler, uh-huh. which is a science fiction system. It's space travel, mm-hmm. but it is very hard science fiction space mm-hmm. travel. Right. Um, and the building of your character is complex enough that as you are building your character, your character can die before you even play the game. Uh-huh. Like, you're allowed to keep going in your training and whatnot as right. far as you want to while you're building your character, but if you are in the army, you have the chance of dying in a war before you ever get to play the game. That's <laughs> how realistic they like to be wow. in that system. Um, and then another really crunchy system that I haven't actually even gotten to play because we all keep getting bogged down in character creation is Ars Magica, uh, which is actually that based... sounds intimidating. It's based in medieval Europe, okay. and it's wizards who have gone to like the scientific level of studying magic. Okay. And so they break down your character creation into ages of your life, and you have to do a lot of math mm. to figure out all of your stuff. We used Excel spreadsheets, like literally. That's how crazy it got. So you... The complexity of it, because I think there's a complete, and that's why next episode I want to talk about video game RPGs, because it seems like um, there are video games coming out that are very story-focused, and there are people on the challenge um, aspect that are, like, in it to win, in it for a win condition. Um, you You would say that usually there are the division for you is that there are ones where it's trying to create a world that is like that is complex that is like simulator level I guess is what yeah. you call it people tend to call that simulations in right. in game other games right mm-hmm. so there's some that are that are trying really hard to statistically simulate whatever you're going through right um, but lately especially um, story games have been become a lot more popular right um, especially since PDFs and such have been so prevalent, being able to get a game online and have a PDF version of it readily available to everybody, Mm. where as opposed to, like, something that's very numbers-heavy, you would need to have a reference right there with you all the time to look up rules and stuff because you want to make sure you're doing the math right and all of Mm. that. Being able to do a storytelling game, really, all you need is, like, a cheat sheet and have read the book, and you're good. Right. So, on the more story-based side of things, uh, Fate, or Fate Accelerated, which is put out by Evil Hat, is a fairly decent game. Um, It's less numbers-heavy and more based on... uh, more character-driven, I would say. Mm -hmm. Both Fate and uh, Apocalypse World is one. Um, And the, the ways you can start to tell that the number... that the systems are less crunchy and less numbers dependent Mm -hmm. is how easy they are to to alter to what you want right so fate both fate and apocalypse world have both been fan based have gone fans have gone in and said well i'm going to play fate but i'm going to play fate for 
Star Trek, or I want to play Fate for the Wild West, mm -hmm. or I want to do Pirates, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can use the same system in whatever setting you want. Right. So the problems with things like Dungeons & Dragons or with Shadowrun is it's very difficult to change those systems into something other than those settings because mm -hmm. there's so many statistics based on what is in that setting mm -hmm. as opposed to something like Fate or Apocalypse World where it's more generic, the statistics are more generic, mm -hmm. and you can throw them into whatever setting you want and make up stuff right. as you're going because it's not quite so complicated. Mm -hmm. um, some of my favorite games for those, Fate has a Dresden Files uh, game. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, which is a pretty fun one. Yeah, didn't, didn't we play that before? Or did we play a different Dresden game? I think we played a different... We played the board game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the I card game. I didn't remember that being very RPG. It's, it's sort of similar. Like, they, they actually use similar names for things because it's the same company that made it. Oh, okay. So yeah. they use a lot of the same iconography and whatever. Right. But it's, a, it's not quite so role-playing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um... For Apocalypse World, uh, most of the systems based on that are now called Powered by the Apocalypse. There's enough of them that have been officially published mm. that that's what they go by. Um, the nice thing with these systems, too, is the actual system itself is public domain. Uh -huh. So you can go online and read the entire system on their website and then use that system for whatever you want. Right. And they actually have licenses where you are allowed to publish your version of that system. Right. So, so long as you give proper source. credit. It's an open source thing. Um the Powered by the Apocalypse that we're playing right now is called Masks, okay. which is the teenage superhero yeah. thing that I'm playing. Okay. That I'm I've running. been a consultant on this yes. game for the past uh, <laughs> few weeks. It's been fun. Um, Dungeon World is also another popular one, so if you want a straight fantasy setting, mm -hmm. they have a, a published one for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are games that have almost no statistics at all. Mm -hmm. and are just sort of uh, uh, guidelines for shared storytelling. Right. So, for example, Fiasco. Okay. Uh, Fiasco gives you a setting, tells you how to pick who you're playing, mm -hmm. and then gives you a guideline as to what your scene is about, but that's it. Mm. You don't have to roll to make decisions. Right. Um, people can kind of decide if you want it to go well or if you want it to go badly, but that's all the guidance you get. Mm-hmm. So you were telling me that that was kind of you compared it to like a Coen Brothers. Yes, Fiasco specifically. <laughs> it's basically built so that you can play a Coen Brothers movie. Like yeah. they literally have Fargo as a setting. Oh, okay. So you can actually play that if you want to. Which is interesting to me because that a lot of their movies are so hint it like it hinges on a lot of different events coinciding in different things. So I guess like have you been I would think that I would be intimidated by that because it seems like you, you're, you're, it's, it's in your hands. Like you have to. Oh, but you'd be surprised. Um, a lot of people think, oh, this is going to be so difficult, or they get nervous. Like, how? What if I mess up my? It's like right. there is no messing up a role playing game. Mm -hmm. The only way you mess up a role playing game is if you're a jerk. Oh. <laughs> that you can do, oh. where you are not paying attention to the other players and what mm -hmm. everyone wants and where the story is going. You're just going right. doing your own thing. You need to be willing to be part of the direction that things are going. Yeah. But I played Fiasco with a group of people that were just board gamers. They had never played role-playing games before. Okay. And I brought it to the game night, and they said, I thought 
role-playing games were all just fantasy fighting dragon things, and I was mm. like, oh no, <laughs> let's play this. Right. And um, it tells the first thing you do is you set up the relationships between everybody at the table. Mm. So I was the sister of somebody else who was there, and so and so was my ex-husband, mm. and like so everybody has a relationship to you. They tell you where you are. We were in a rural southern town. Mm-hmm. And they tell you basically what the goal of your characters is. Mm-hmm. And then you just talk to each other as if you were those characters. And because each of you has a motivation that you know you need to get done, you make this stuff happen. It's it's surprising how well it worked. It was right. hilarious. And it actually turned into this big crazy mess, and like somebody blew the town up by the end of it, and was riding out of town, and it's and it's like a Coen Brothers movie. The worst person, right. like the worst characters, the guy who survives, everybody else dies. Like it was seriously just like it. It was hilarious. Um, that's how you can tell. Also, I will put that caveat in there. Obviously, not all role playing games are created equal. Some systems are much better than others. And a really well-done system will do that. It will guide you into the story that you're looking for. So, like, playing Masks, for example. Um, I'm running our current game, but one of our players was running the game before. And I wasn't sure if I would be able to play a teenage character, because I haven't been a teenager for a long time. But literally, like, third session in, it devolved into a fight over who was taking who to the high school dance. Right. Just naturally, we didn't have to force it. It wasn't. It it just happened. Right. <laughs> so you can tell that it was a very well crafted system because it makes you behave the way you should for that system mm-hmm. for that setting. It's funny. Right. Um, and then also just as a, an aside, there are also games that are more about creating the setting mm-hmm. itself. And it's more world building, I guess, than an actual game, role-playing game. Mm. So we um, have become fond of a game called Microscope, where you're building like a timeline of of your own made-up world. Mm. Um, I just got one. We haven't played it yet, but uh, it's called The Quiet Year, where Mm. you're building like a map of your made-up world. Right. And these are handy if you aren't sure where to start with making a setting, and you want to make sure you have a setting that your players would be invested in, mm. you can literally build your setting together. Right. And then it's something that all of you had a part in making, so all of you are interested in playing in that setting. Mm. Okay, so. <laughs> that's a that lot of stuff. Good. It was a good overview. Um, and like I said, I was throwing out a lot of names. <laughs> um, but please do look up things on RPG Geek and see what people's reviews are. Mm. Um, you can also check out Drive Through RPG is a place that sells a lot of them, and you can get almost any system as a PDF there. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I think, like walking into a comic book store without knowing, and and I've been into stores where they're very welcoming. Like if you have any questions, you can go. That that's usually intimidating when you're you know you have a friend that's like, hey, do you want to try out this? And you're like, uh, like. I don't know. But, you know, if you're interested in it, then it's cool to know that there's a place that you can yeah. go and and find, like, if you want a certain thing. Right. If you liked anything on that list, then that's cool. Yeah. So then uh, the next thing I was going to bring up um, is uh, the idea of the dungeon master or game master. Mm. Not all systems require one. There are some right. games that are set up to not need someone to run the game. Uh-huh. 
Um, but I don't necessarily suggest those for people who haven't played before. If you are fairly new, it is a lot easier to have someone who is in who is running the game. I, don't, I hesitate to say in control of the game because it's not really total control. Right. Um, there are a lot of systems that come with pre-written adventures for your characters to go on, mm. and that's a great way to get started right. because then you as the whoever's the game master doesn't have to make it all up themselves. Right. Um, it is very difficult to do that on a regular basis because <laughs> you're basically trying to write a novel with characters that literally have their own minds. Right. So it's a very difficult thing to do if you don't mm. know the people you're playing with or you don't know how people want to play. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah, if you're going to just get into it, make sure that you have someone who's willing to be the game master and, and get some pre-done adventures because mm. they're fun. Um, but if you, once you've gotten some experience and you have someone who is of those kinds of minds, usually they're either writers or some other creative ilk person who is willing to create a world and try and come up with a storyline to challenge people. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to do. I have been both a player and a GM now, GM or DM for short for Game Master or Dungeon Master. Um. And both sides has has their advantages. Um, one, if you if you you know like to role play, if you like to improvise, basically it's kind of like improvised acting. Mm, right. But if you you know come up with a character that you're like, oh, this might be fun to try and you know act different than you, what you usually do, get to be right. a hero, that kind of thing. Um, you can really get into it and enjoy ribbing your friends as somebody else. Mm. Um, or doing crazy stuff because the game lets you do crazy stuff. Um, game mastering is fun when you you throw challenges at your players mm -hmm. and they totally go a different way than you expected because they're gonna. But it all turns out ending up where you thought it was gonna end up eventually. Anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> it just goes the long way around. Right. But just seeing seeing stories unfold like that mm -hmm. uh, together is a really neat thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So basically, I wanted to to get into the real reason we, we decided to do this for this podcast is because it's all about story. Even the games that are very numbers heavy still have a story. Right. Um, and I think the thing that drives uh, that drives RPGs are character arcs because you can do a story. You can do a guided story, and but then at that point you're doing basically radio theater together. Like if your GM is just saying we're doing this story right. and you guys just act out the parts, you might as well be doing a play, right? right. It's not the same thing as what you're doing in a role-playing game. Mm. So the person who is running the game's job is to play all the minor characters to come up with villains, to come up with a problem or a mystery mm. that your players will want to figure out right um or or just something to explore but stuff needs to happen to them mm -hmm. uh but none of that matters if their characters don't care right mm -hmm. if their characters don't have something that's driving them right so you know at the beginning it might be hard um if you've never played a role-playing game before and you're just kind of like i don't know what my character wants mm -hmm. i don't know what their goal is right um but usually, the the story will give you one. 
So, like I said, if you're trying one of the pre-done adventures, you're you're most of them start out. You are getting hired to do something. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, you have the motivation of, well, I have a job. They're going to pay me when I finish this. So I'll go beat up the dragon or, you know, go move this cargo in the spaceship because it's a job. Mm-hmm. But what I love about the groups that I'm involved in is they love to come up with characters with crazy motivations, mm-hmm. <laughs> with their own backstories, right. with actual lives, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're all there and we all have a common goal because we've all been hired to do something or we all met and realized we had similar goals mm. so the the Dungeons and Dragons game that I'm in currently um, we're playing through the Storm King's Thunder which is a pre-done adventure but and and we're there to stop the giants from taking over the world basically right and so that's the the overarching goal mm-hmm. but each of us has very individual goals mm. that our DM is very good at throwing at us periodically mm-hmm. so that causes conflict in the party or it takes us off of the main goal for a while because they're like wait that's that guy that killed my whole family I have to go after him mm-hmm. kind of thing and it just makes it really interesting because then you have a chance to see your character grow mm-hmm. um, there are two main ways to play role playing games you can do a one shot mm-hmm. or you can do a campaign one shots tend to be very short usually either one or two sessions mm-hmm. at the most um, and you don't really care if your characters grow or change or whatever. You just get to play your character for a brief time, figure out the story, and you're done. Mm. But most people prefer to play campaigns because your character, literally, it's built into the systems that your character changes over time. You get more powerful. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, your skills get to advance. Or you can learn different things. You pick up crazy items, magic items, special items, whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> system you're playing. Um, that make your character more awesome. So you may start, you know, just helping some peasants fight off some goblins in a town, but by the end of that campaign, you're fighting off, like, you know, ancient dragons that are massive and can destroy, you know, continents, but you're over here, <laughs> but you're now strong enough to, to fight them. Right. Um, and it's really neat to to see your character reach that level mm-hmm. and accomplish what their personal goals are right. through this story. Um, and it's really fun. Mm. A lot of fun. Yeah, so so I would ask, and, and kind of um, bringing it back to my limited knowledge of it up to this point where it's now seems like it's pervaded the culture a lot more. It, uh, th- there was a book uh, written about comics um, by Warren Ellis, I think he's a comic book writer. He was saying the weird thing about comic books for him growing up was you. It, the book is called Come In Alone. And he feels like going in a comic book store is a very um, individualistic experience because you're going in there because there's one thing that you're into. And for me, it was because, you know, I could really identify with the character of Spider Man and I glommed onto that type of a character. Um, and, uh, my question for you with how much, you know, it's been a part of your life now, um, do you think that there are specific, um, mechanics that you like better? Um, I'm specifically thinking because, um, I've noticed that, like, comics back in the 20s and 30s were 
very simplified, and it seems like stories have grown um, to be, you know, the characters are more relatable and more people can identify with, like, Batman now than they could back in the original, like, serials or or stuff of it. And so even, um, like, it's interesting for me to see how... um, that those characters have changed over time and it's opened up this this type of thing so that now multiple generations can identify with these very old things. You have something like that with, with Dungeons & Dragons because the types of characters in these stories have been told since yeah, you know, medieval time. times. But because there's that aspect of communal storytelling, you know, people can find these characters and have this experience with each other that, you know, um, it's not what the original authors might have intended. So I guess that's my question, is that, like, is there... What what about it is interesting to you that you think specifically drew you to it? Um, because it's, it, to me, it feels like the um, initial intention and the initial... Um, it, there was such a uh, like that was the nerd that was like really mocked and really like <laughs> torn down at some point and now it's at this cultural apex right? and it's like do you feel like that's because it's changed as a as a thing to invite more of like this communal storytelling thing or do you think that there's been something about it that maybe you didn't see in the past, and now you're seeing... I think... I know I there's think a lot of questions in that. Like, I think it's always been a communal thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was always a very... Um, uh, I don't know how to put it. Because of the time period when it came out, at least when I was... It was out before I was younger, anyway. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it appealed to people who might have social issues. Uh-huh. Um, it's a very good way to socialize in, struct- in a structured manner. Right. So people who aren't good, like I, I am not good at mingling. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah, neither of us are the type of people <laughs> that are just like, oh, there's a party? Yeah, Let no. Let me go to that. No, not really my thing. Yeah. Because I never know what to say. I don't know if I should be interrupting a conversation. There's too many things going on that I'm trying to uh, process, and it's it's right. yeah, both disorienting and unpleasant. Seek out structured. Right. So things. being able to go to to sit down at a table and know this is my role, and this is the goal we have to accomplish, but you're still doing it in a social way. You're still there with other people. It's right. not like eventually started happening when I was young where you could sit at home with a console and play by yourself, right. which was the other alternative. <laughs> right. This is a way of, of sitting down at a table with other people still, mm-hmm. but still playing a game that had structure and had a right. goal. It's the same, I think it's a similar reason why a lot of people play, why board games have come up, like the designer board games mm-hmm. have you know, been an explosion. It's a good thing for people who may or may not be great socially, right. but they can have a common reason to be sitting around a table socializing. Right. 
Um, because I've read a lot of people's comments that way. Um, and a lot of people have been doing studies now. I don't know if the results are out yet, but I've seen a lot of people doing studies on people who were bullied or people who had social issues growing up mm -hmm. who found solace in playing role-playing games. Right. Because they were able to play someone other than themselves so they could do things in a sort of social setting. I mean, it's not realistically doing those things, mm -hmm. but you're still socially doing things that you normally wouldn't get to do. Right. Um, so there is definitely that appeal. It is, it is social without having to be... <laughs> mingling at a party. Right. <laughs> but now I know those people really well, so when those people have parties, I go to their parties. Right. Because I know enough of them now, I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And especially yeah. playing the sorts of characters I tend to play in role-playing games, I don't mind so much if I say something goofy because they know I'm weird gonna anyway. We're going to get into that crap. We're going to get into the scary characters I've had. <laughs> but another thing is, uh, so originally uh, role-playing games were based off of tactical games like war games mm -hmm. and miniature games where the point is you have like a specific tactical mission and you're you have this like very uh mathematical very uh methodical way of having to move my pieces and is this the right army that i want to send in here and it's it's like a very puzzly kind of thing mm -hmm. and not not all games rpgs are still like that but a lot of the bigger ones dungeons and dragons is a, an example mm -hmm. Originally, it was literally, you have this dungeon you have to infiltrate and fight the monsters right. and get the prize and get out without right. dying. So it's a, it's a, it's a mission, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, and it's another thing I like about Shadowrun. Shadowrun is literally, you are running a mission. <laughs> you right. are a, a tactical team, and you have to figure out how to get in, mm -hmm. do your thing, and get out without getting caught. Right. Um, which I think is fun. I think that's mm -hmm. a fun puzzle to, to crack. Yeah. Now, not all games are like that, and there are other games that I like, like Masks is not really very tactical. Mm -hmm. That's more fun, right. where it's more about uh, character interaction, mm -hmm. which I also like a lot. I like games that encourage player interaction, mm -hmm. um, and Masks is great that way. It, like, literally, there are things mm -hmm. on your sheet that you have to do to each other, like, <laughs> if you want to get anywhere. Right. Um, so a lot of the more modern games are more focused on that, on character interaction mm -hmm. and uh, good storytelling. Right. But yeah, I would say that the, uh, I could identify with the former because, like, growing up, being, uh, having a muscle disease, having video games as a way to associate with other guys, it was a level playing field because I would hear guys talk about going to play, pick up football and basketball, and I'm like, I'll see you later. <laughs> but seeing that there was a competitive thing that we could do that would give me that same type of interaction that you would get in a pickup football game or something like that, it was cool to have that kind of thing. So I would see, I could see how, um, you know, having a mission that you are doing with a friend um, and accomplishing something together, even if it's virtual would be something that would be feel rewarding because you're, you know, you're pushing each other, you're challenging each other, and you're helping each other, you know, think outside the box. Um, so that's cool. Yes. <laughs> I enjoy that very much. Um, and, you, and when you kill the baddie, you cheer, you <laughs> high-five each other, right. even though it was just part of the story. Right. It still gives you that same kind of catharsis of, like, yes, I got to be the hero and beat up on the bad guy. Like, right. it's, um, it's... Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was fun. Thank you for 
putting that together for us. Um, if you want to talk about, I wanted to before we leave. Um, we mentioned last episode that we have an email that you can um, uh, send email to us about um, any episodes that we have coming up next week. We're going to talk about um, Avengers: um, Infinity War and uh, specifically about the old comics versus the new comics because I'm a an old commie uh, commie fan. Commie I'm a, fan? No, I'm not a communist. No, you're not. <laughs> Don't accuse me in, <laughs> in the email, but okay. But anyway, um, we're going to talk about that next time. We're going to talk about Star Wars, uh, May 7th, and uh, genre blending. Uh, we have the Fahrenheit 451 movie on HBO coming out in, later in May. Um, and so if you have anything about that, you can email us about that. But uh, also, if you go through our backlog, our first episode was about Ready Player One. Uh, the next one was about Annihilation and uh, Lovecraft and... Um, we also talked about female-centric. Uh, mostly, I talked about female-centric um, <laughs> movies, uh, thrillers, rather. Um, and we talked about Tyler Perry's Acrimony. So if you want to talk to us about that, you can email us at unboxingstorypodcast at gmail.com. And um, um, I know some of you probably get my get this podcast through my Facebook, so you can feel free to message me on Facebook mm-hmm. or my Twitter, although I don't check my Twitter much. Mm-hmm. So that might not be the best idea. <laughs> And yeah, so oh, if you I'm also posts. at John Matos Writer at, on Instagram and Twitter. You can do that too. Um, and I'm hoping to register uh, JohnMatosWriter.com because I need to renew my domain. And the last one I had is not available for oh, domain no. back ordering. Uh, but I've been thinking I hope about it. Re- still is. No, <laughs> I'm not even I'm, gonna say it because I don't want to be just steal it. <laughs> my domain. Um, yeah. So. Um, I'm hoping to make more, uh, to make that more interactive for people. Um, I have a book, Cain and Abel, that will also. And you should be on spell that because it's not the what they're oh, thinking yeah. of yeah. as Cain and Abel. Yeah. So, um, uh, Cain and Abel is C A N E, and Abel is A B L E. Because as I mentioned, I have a muscle weakness, and so it kind of draws on that life experience. Um, but uh, that's a novel that I have out on Amazon. You can get audiobook for free if you want to register with Audible, um, or two ninety nine for a ebook, and $9.99 for a paperback. Uh, if you want to check any any of that out, that's all available on the webs. Um, thanks again. Thank and, you. Um, and maybe I can I can talk John into playing a game on this podcast with me. I did find an RPG that is uh, playable for only two characters. And uh, we'll see if I can talk him into <laughs> dueling with me on the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to set that up as like a special type of uh, episode that we have. Um, and thanks for, again for listening. See you later. Bye.